Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. We are in our, have our missions day today. It's mission day at all five of our campuses. We're excited always because Faith Assembly of God has been raised up primarily to take the gospel around the world, not just here in Somerville, but all around the world, in the United States and everywhere. We have our, our special guest today, Tommy Hodum. Tommy is with uh, Global Mission Muslim Initiative, and he is a, uh, uh, has been with there for 20 years, works with uh, mission, uh, Muslims in the United States, in Detroit, in Arkansas, and all around. He heads up a ministry to to Muslims right here in the United States, and then all around the world as well. Been a missionary for 34 years. We are pleased to have him with us today. I want you to give it up for Tommy as he comes to bring the word of God. God bless you, Tommy. So good to have you here. Good to bless be here. Brother. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of God. Do you feel something? I feel something. Glory to God, I wouldn't want to be here if I didn't feel something. I know when I was over in the pastor's office and the uh, worship leader came in, he shook because he was cold. I was hoping it was the Holy Ghost all over him. But Pastor Larry, it is indeed a privilege to be with you and all of you wonderful folks here at Faith. I've got a lot to say in a short time to say it. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, my lovely wife Sandy is not able to be with us this morning. We have been married for 36 years, have two wonderful daughters, two wonderful son-in-laws full of the Holy Ghost, and uh, those daughters didn't give us any problems when we were raising them. And it wasn't because mom and dad were the best parents. We made mistakes as all parents will make. But in 34 years of ministry, we passed out in excess of 50,000 of these cards. My family is covered, they're bathed, they're surrounded, they're encapsulated with prayer. Folks, prayer works. I'm telling you, prayer works. So pray. One of the great things that you can do in pastor appreciation is make a commitment. You're going to undergird and support and pray for your pastoral staff daily, faithfully. That they might have the mind and the anointing of the Spirit of God. Ministry to Muslims. I know that if I sat out in the parking lot like this, somebody might not let me in. So Jason, thank you for letting me in. (laughs) Amen. Let's begin chapter 5, verse 8. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought. He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and the leprosy leprosy will be healed. 
Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need the Holy Ghost. We need you to take this anointed word and, oh God, touch us, the speaker and the hearer, that we might receive what it is that you want to give to us today to make us the people of God that you intended us to be. God, remove all of the barriers and may you and you alone receive all the glory. And all of the honor because you're worthy. For we ask this all in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this text, I believe there's many insights, Pastor Larry, that that help us, number one, to see the loss. But in particular, Muslims. What we should think about them. How we should engage them. And also about their lostness. The first insight that I want to share with you this morning is that most Muslims are good people. They're just lost. In our text back in 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1, Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master, highly respected, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Naaman, captain of the army of Syria. Scripture said he's a great man. A highly respected man. A man who had seen victories in battle. A man who was a valiant warrior. All of this is said and it even said that God had used him. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. All of this is said about a man who was not a Hebrew. Not a member of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was not one of the followers of the God of Israel. 1.6 billion Muslims in our world. 4.5 to 6 million Muslims right here in the United States of America. They outnumber the Assemblies of God 2 to 1. Here, not overseas, here in the United States of America. But I want you to know that they are most of them. The majority of them, they're just like Naaman. They're good people. They're not terrorists, but they are lost. Lost. We forgot what that means. But I want you to remember. The next insight that we want you to grasp this morning is that most Muslims have heard a story. An incomplete story. An embellished story. An inaccurate story. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman, Naaman's wife, 
the king of Syria, they hear a story about a prophet who is in Samaria, but they didn't hear the whole story. Elisha was a prophet, but he was a man of God, a man who presented God to Samaria, to Israel, to the rest of the world. Naaman did not hear that part of the story. You see, Muslims, they have a story, a story about God, Allah, a story about creation and the fall, a story about Abraham and Lot and all of the other prophets, a story about Jesus, the Trinity, his crucifixion, a story about the end times, stories, multiplicity of stories Muslims have that are just plain incomplete Better stated, they're just plain wrong. What about us? What about Faith Assembly this morning? Do you have a story? What is your story? What part does the gospel play in your story? God, help us to remember that the gospel starts and ends with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Muslims take that part out of the gospel message, it ceases to be the good news. He was a promised Messiah. He had a promised birth, a life, a death, a resurrection, and also his return. All of that is part of the gospel. Don't leave any of it out. The gospel is confrontational. It demands that we must be born again. We must repent. We must have faith. What about us? Are we like the story of the little girl, just a man or just a woman? Or are we God's man and God's woman reaching the people that God sent us to reach? What's your story this morning? Insight number three. We move quick i got a lot to say. Muslims need, they want the knowledge of how to become clean. I'll repeat that. Muslims need, they want the knowledge of how to become clean, whole. Second Kings, verse 3 of chapter 5, she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who was in the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. Skip on down to verse 9, chapter 5. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. I'm here. Naaman hears and he responds. I said he hears And he responds. But he first of all has to have a message. 
to respond to. He hears and he responds. He shows the want to. I want to change my circumstances. Of all the people in the world who profess profess religion and show religiosity, Muslims top my list of being religious. The five pillars, the shahada, the creed, prayer five times a day, fasting during the month of Ramadan, the zakat 2.5% given as tithes, and then the pilgrimage to Mecca. That is Islam in a nutshell. It's the whole complete package. It affects all of your life. It's the religion of do. I will do all of these things. Therefore, I will work out my destiny. And yet when you ask Muslims around the world, why did you put your confidence in Jesus Christ? Number one reason, assurance of salvation. We got something. Come on. I said, we got something. He controls our destiny. They show the want to. They're standing at the door. Two mullahs in the Middle East have been studying the Quran, Pastor Larry, as it relates to Jesus. There's a lot of misinformation in the Quran about Jesus. But they were studying it because they were perplexed. Why do Christians endure what they endure if what they have is a fallacy? So these two mullahs are together and they're they're reading the Quran and all the scriptures about Jesus. And then one night, separate homes, separate beds, they have a dream. Uh Uh-huh. 70% of Muslims coming to saving faith today are having dreams and visions and revelations. When that happened two decades ago, I got mad. Jason, I said, God, if you're going to do it all, let me go fishing. (laughs) Peter, great example. Let me go fishing. So these two mullahs, they have this dream. The next day they get up, I got to talk because dreams are special in the Muslim world. It's not pizza. It's not a Philly steak sandwich. I mean, it's special. And they get to get, let me talk. No, no, you, you, no, 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 no. So they come in. And man, while the one dude's telling the other dude, the other mullah, what he's been dreaming, they're just aghast because they've had the same dream. Go to this country. Seek out the house of God. Seek out the man of God, and he'll tell me more about you. My wife and I, we've been married 36 years, and unless I'm in the doghouse, don't need the marriage seminar, but it is a good thing to be here. We've always slept in the same bed. But my wife and I have never, ever, ever had the same dream. And two unbelieving mullahs in separate beds, separate places, they have the same dream. So what do they, they think it's a sign for God. Now, These mullahs are from a country where you kind of know they got turbans. How many of you remember during the Gulf War, the city of El Sadr? Y'all forgot the Gulf War. 
Thank you, those of you who are served and have those that are serving. Anyway, El Sadr had a guy with a turban on and real sunken eyes. You cannot mistake the dude. He was a mullah. These two mullahs look like that. Now, imagine with me. Pastor Larry, I hope they're not dead when you preach and teach. Use your imagination. You're in the house of God, okay? Hopefully full of the Holy Ghost. Anyway, these two mullahs, they get, their, they get everything done. They go to this country. They're on the bus. The country is a Sunni country. They stick out like sore thumbs. Nobody wants to be around them. And everywhere they're going, Jason, they're looking out the windows. Uh-huh. What do they want? And they see this church, and they stop the bus. They get out, and they go up to the church, and they, they do have doorbells in the Middle East, by the way. They knock, and a priest comes to the door. When he sees the dudes in their dress and their tire, he's scared spitless. Doesn't know what, to, what are these Shiite mullahs doing here? And they explain to him, we've had a dream. Come to this country. Come to this city. Seek out the house of God. We see the steeple. Seek out the man of God, and he'll tell us more about Jesus. Is this the place? Priest goes, Nope. Nope. Now, I don't want to be too hard on him because in most of the Middle East, restricted access, you cannot openly evangelize. You can't proselytize. And this guy recognized this. It could be a setup. No. But he said, if you look right up there on the hill, there's the Assembly of God Church. Go up there and somebody will help you. Two mullahs got out on the road. They got doorbells, but they don't got sidewalks. Got out up on the road and went up to the church. Up at the church, an associate pastor is walking around, and he comes out to the person that's cleaning up the church, and he says, I'm expecting visitors. When they get here... Let him in and bring him to my office. He looks out the vestibule of the church and sees the two mullahs coming in. He says, I got it. They're here. He goes and unlocks the church and brings the two mullahs in. And the two mullahs are just shocked. They've never been in a house of God. They've been to a mosque, but never a church. And they said, we've had a dream. Associate pastor goes, I know. Come to this country. Come to this city. Seek out the house of God. He said, this is the place. Seek out the man of God. I am him. I hope something's getting into you. I am him. Oh, that we could say that again. I am him. Brings him into his office. 
answers questions, asks questions. They come to saving faith in Jesus. It's not done, though. Hold on. So they're discipled in the time that they have for their visit. Visitation on their uh, visas. And then they got to go home. Well, they go home. By the way, the person that started that church is our former director at the Center for Ministry to Muslims. Anyway, they go back to their country. When our director hears about it, he says, man, this can't be. This is just too good. I've got to go. I've got to meet these guys. I've got to see them. I want to know. So he goes to the country that they're in and the local pastors and others that are in a distant city say, you can't go to that city they're in. You won't come back. They don't like Westerners. They're not going to like you. You cannot go. He says, I've got to go. Set it up. So he sets it up, the local person, the distant city. Director gets there and he sits down and talks to these two former Islamic mullahs now full of the Holy Ghost. And he says, let me get this straight. That's what happened. And now you're telling me that you've got a house church here in this city. I go, no. Five house churches. They're standing at the door, Faith. Who's going to let them in? Last insight. Muslims are proud people. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 10 and 12. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he went and away in a rage. I've had Muslims just as much as I try to evangelize them, they try to win me for Islam. It happens. It's confrontational. Light and darkness. Muslims believe they have the best of faiths, the final revelation, the culminating prophet. They want us to look at them. They want us to watch them as they do their works, their deeds. They want to show us how to submit to God. They want us to believe that they're happy, appropriately proud, contented to be Muslims. And yet when you ask any one of them, are you sure that you're going to paradise? Their immediate response, no, only God knows. You get to sit there and you can say, but I know. I know where I came from, but more than that, I know where I'm going. In so many ways, Muslims are just like Naaman, proud to be, but in need. Proud to be, but in need. Naaman was a good man, 
great man, valiant man. He did not expect to be so treated so rudely. Why didn't Elisha come to the door? Because Elisha was being biblical. Deuteronomy 24.8, be careful against the affection of leprosy that you diligently observe and do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you as I have commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Leviticus 13.44, he's a leprous man. He's unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is in his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. The hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall live alone. And his dwelling shall be outside the camp. I said that Muslims were proud people, but pastor, the problem is Christians also have an arrogancy about them. We see somebody that looks a little bit different, ladies, in Walmart. Come on. Walking around with a hijab on and a baby in the cart and God forbid that we go down that aisle, Pastor Larry. We got reversed. We got ABS brakes on a grocery cart. We stop, back up, and go to the next aisle and we don't need nothing down that aisle. But we don't want to engage them. We don't want to say hello, how are you? How many of you like what you got? Give it away. (laughs) We'll see a Sikh come to pick us up, Jason, at the airport in a taxi cab. We'll wait until somebody looks normal. Dude, you're going to wait a long time. (laughs) We we put them outside the camp. We don't want anything to do with them because pride is not God's plan. Faith plus repentance and dedication is God's plan. Naaman said, behold, I thought. Pride is not only the leprosy that keeps Muslims outside the camp. It keeps Christians from going to the camp and bringing them in. Folks, we need to remember where God brought us from. Saved to the uttermost. I was in the gutter. And great is the mercy of God towards me. God help us to remember that most Muslims are good people. Muslims have their story and stories, but they need the gospel. Remember, Muslims want to be right with God. Many of them are standing at the door wanting to be let in. Muslims as well as Christians 
We battle pride, but Christ is the cure. If you have in your hands, I pray before Pastor Larry comes that you take out your faith promise. Boy, we have shortened this thing up an awful lot over the years. I guess it created confusion. This is not a contract between you and the church. It has nothing to do with that. It's between you and God. If you have your Bibles, we're not going there, but in 1 Samuel, Hannah gives the biblical example of what a faith promise is. There are two in Scripture. One of them is Jephthah. Jephthah made a vow is what it was called. It was foolishness and it cost life. Hannah, 1 Samuel chapter 1, she's in the temple. And she makes a vow in verse 11 to God. I don't have it, but if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. I don't have it. But if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. You get it out, put it in your hand. I want it in your hand. It's not just praying. It's not just giving. It's not just going. All of those are preceded by having faith. Hannah gave something that she needed. Penina was constantly ridiculing her, causing her to feel the shame and the reproach of not having a child. So she gave something that she needed. She gave something that she wanted. She gave something that she prayed a great deal about. This isn't happenstance. Pastor's going to come and pray for you. I want you to hear what God is speaking to you. And through prayer, that happens. But the last thing that we see in Samuel is that she gave something, Pastor, that blessed a nation. (laughs) Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about when you link with God and faith what the possibility can be? Don't have it. You give it. I'll give it back to you. And then in return, it blesses a nation with godly leadership. So I'm not asking you to respond to me and not respond to Pastor Larry. That's not what it's about. I want you to respond in faith to what it is that God is speaking to you. See the doors, the possibilities in the last 20 years. We've been able to enlist 60,000 intercessors praying faithfully through Juma Prayer for Muslims. We've trained 55,000 national and international laborers in ministry to Muslims. We've helped to plant 400 churches in 34 predominantly Islamic countries. Why? Because of stuff like this. Not us. We're just the extension of you in the areas that you can't go to. But it all starts, Pastor Larry, if you'd come, it all starts with faith.
Faith. What do you believe God will enable you to do that in return doors will be open so that the unengaged, the lost, can come into the kingdom of God? Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.